Chapter 61 San Luis Yacht Club The sun was peeking through the clouds on Saturday morning, April 14, 2012. The rays were breaking through the east-facing windows in our bedroom, yelling at me to get out of bed. Another day to enjoy, I cheered myself on, 
pushing my feet to the floor, I slowly stood up, straightening rickety bones and tired muscles. We had a schedule to adhere to today. Mary was going to sing the national anthem at the San Luis Yacht Club's yearly opening celebration. Which vehicle do you want to take? she asked. Let's take our new car. I want to know how it feels, I replied. Mary drove to Avila Beach, showing me the various gadgets in her new fire engine red sonic four-door. After we had parked, we walked to the Avila Beach Pier. Abby and her boyfriend Joe followed us in Mary's old Subaru, and they ran to join us. At the base of the pier, the San Luis Yacht Club built a clubhouse for their members in the 1940s. We made our way into the building, shaking hands with old and new friends. After being introduced, Mary started with America the Beautiful, then sang the national anthem. I was on a seaside wall, standing with John Kay. When finished, Mary walked to the opposite wall, and we all listened while Warren, the current Commodore, gave out the yearly awards. Except for the occasional ice cream drop from the ice machines on the pier, Ensign Bob Cassera declared the harbor free of ice, proclaiming it open for the year. The small cannon was fired four times as a signal for the season to begin. As the ceremonies were winding down, I went to find Mary. She was talking to Melanie just outside the front door. Joe and Abby left soon after Mary finished her songs. As I approached her, Mary seemed confused. She was telling Melanie she didn't remember singing any songs. Seeing me next to her, Mary wanted to know if she had already performed. I said both of the songs were great. The crowd even sang with her during the national anthem. She looked back to Melanie and repeated, I don't remember singing at all. Mary had the electronic key to our new car in her hands and was tumbling the unit from one hand to another. What is this? she asked, looking at the unfamiliar key. That is the key to your new car, I replied. Can you drive home? she asked. Sure. As we were walking back to the parking lot, she asked me, Did I sing all right? Yes. What did I sing? You sang America the Beautiful and the National Anthem. Did I sound okay? Yes. I'm confused and scared. Can you drive home? Yes. This isn't our car. Where did we get this car? We can't afford a new car. Did you know I was getting a new car? Yes. How old am I? Did I sing okay? Were the kids with us? Did I sing well? She kept repeating the same questions. Have I been confused all morning? Yes. Did I sing okay? Yes. I asked her if she knew where Adam was. No. Where is he? I told her Adam was hiking in the Grand Canyon with the Explorer Scouts. Whose car is this? Ours. When did we buy it? You got it yesterday. Did you know about the car? Yes. Where's Adam? He's at the Grand Canyon. How long has he been gone? A week. I sang this morning. Did I sound okay? Did something happen this morning? Did I sing okay? As I was driving away from Avila, I stopped at Smart and Final to pick up pizza supplies. I pulled into the lot and asked Mary if she wanted to go in with me to find pepperoni and mozzarella cheese. No, I'll stay here, she declared. I went in to pick up the items, returned to the car, and started to drive home. As we were going up the quest to grade, Mary asked me what year it was. It's 2012.
Where do we go when I finish singing? We stopped at Smart and Final for pizza stuff. What stuff was that? It was pepperoni and mozzarella for pizzas. Did I sing okay? What song did I sing? You sang the national anthem. Tears were pooling in my eyes. Mary didn't know how worried I was because I was wearing sunglasses. However, my voice cracked when I responded to her last question, and she immediately knew I was distressed. Now she could see tears falling down from my face. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to upset you. I'm confused, she said apologetically. This was so unnerving for me, a new reality. Mary has always been the mom. She's consistent and dependable. She is the rock that stabilizes our entire family. I began to realize how tenuous life is. I might lose my closest confidant. I began to look for evidence of a stroke. I asked Mary to stick her tongue out, asked her to lift both arms up, and asked her to smile at me. I saw no outward evidence of a stroke. I drove into our yard, and Mary got out to talk to Abby. They were walking around the new red car. When did I buy this? Mary asked. You bought it yesterday, Mom, Abby replied. We can't afford this car, Mary declared. And why do we still have the old Subaru? Because you gave it to me to drive, Abby replied. I decided then it was time to take Mary to the hospital. I told Abby to stay close to the phone. As we drove into Templeton, I continued to answer the same questions. Whose car is this? Ours. When did we buy it? Yesterday. Did you know about the car? Yes. Did I sing okay? Yes. What did we do after leaving Avila? We went to Smart and Final. Mary was admitted to Twin Cities Hospital for acute memory loss. Her heart rate and blood pressure were elevated, but that can happen when a person is stressed, according to the nurse. When the doctor examined her, he could see no neurological deficits. Either this was a localized mini-stroke, or it was the development of a psychotic episode. The doctor immediately gave her aspirin for possible clots. Mary's blood work came back with mild elevations in a liver enzyme, but nothing dramatic. The doctor ordered an ultrasound of her neck, looking for a narrowing of the carotid arteries, but no plaque buildup was found. The ultrasound was moved down to the heart to evaluate cardiac function, and those parameters were fine. After the ultrasound, she was wheeled off for a CAT scan, but nothing abnormal showed up. Within an hour of admission, she began to slowly lose her confusion and regain her grasp on reality, although those six or eight hours were lost forever to her. As a precaution, the hospital kept her overnight. When I drove back home for the evening, Abby had already become Mother Hen. She was putting laundry away and telling me she couldn't see how Mom kept the place up so well. On Sunday morning, Mary went for an MRI brain scan, and the doctors found a small area of her right temporal lobe had experienced an ischemic accident, which meant blood flow had temporarily stopped flowing into this area of the brain. Luckily, the ischemic area contained itself. There was no ongoing hemorrhage, indicating no need for surgery to reduce the intracranial pressure. There was merely a non-functioning group of nerves going offline for a brief period because they had run out of oxygen. Quickly, 
her brain built up a patchwork system to bypass the troubled area, allowing her to function with the same old facilities. Mary received discharge instructions following her MRI scan, so I drove to Templeton to pick her up Sunday at noon, and we continued our abbreviated weekend as though nothing abnormal happened. End of chapter. Just as things look hopeful, you say there's nothing I can do. I'm not the one who took your heart, so I can't give it back to you. I'm not asking you to forget her touch or how she put your mind. Thank you for listening. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book, as well as an 11-disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Thank you for listening.